would stand with us as we read scripture together out loud. So read with me. It says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him an overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And we fast forward a little bit. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Good morning, you may be seated. Welcome to Grandview Baptist Church. Just a couple of things before. Uh, if you may hear some things and uh, you're wanting to clarify, uh, please feel free to give me a call or make an appointment to hear it from the horse's mouth uh, on certain issues uh, within the church or uh, if you hear something that uh, you know you're guessing whether... It is a change or coming from the pastor's office or not. Uh, this time, um, we're blessed to have you guys here with us. We are on a journey of going through scriptures. And um, on this journey, as we read God's word and we ask the Lord to put us into the crucible of God's word... Um, as physicians are always interested, what is the longest distance within the universe? And they try to pick a couple of points as far away as they can. And they try to guess at looking at dimensions of space. And they give you a number that you can't really understand. And I think that ought to be that way because no one can really understand the longest distance in the universe. And that is between the heart and the mind of a human being and uh, and that is uh, that should be a guiding path for us not to be able to understand the longest distances in uh, in the world but Jesus Christ is our soul surgeon and as we begin today to understand this distance as he is the soul surgeon we have to bring a little bit of an introduction to something that 
happens within our soul. Soul is the intersection between the spirit and the material. And we being both spiritual beings and material beings, the imprint of that is culminated into the soul. If you go to the doctor and they'll put electromagnetic reading pods on your head, they'll say, yeah, you have brain activity. That's visible. But can they tell you what you think? No. They can take fluids out of your body and they'll say, oh, this chemical was released, so you might have had that emotion or that feeling, a feeling or emotional response, but they cannot tell you what feeling or emotional response you had. The deepest part of our soul is what we call volition or the will. And that's only visible by the responsibility and accountability that we have. Now, since the fall, everything was perfect and the material and, and, and the, the spiritual work together as one. Since the fall, the flesh, or in Greek we call it sarks, the human nature, received its due payment of the original sin and has enslaved us to the reality of that sin, and the flesh is trying to control over our soul. Now, what do you think combats the oppressive nature of the flesh in us? That comes from our spirit. And our spirit, uh, you know, yes, we were made in the image of God, uh, and even people who don't know Jesus, who don't know the truth, uh, they'll begin to speak to you about what's right and what's wrong and that duality is there and that fight because of these dualities now you have to understand the the lord tells us learn the schemes of the the devil you say well are you saying the devil is close to me yes i'm saying that devil is very close to each one of us because we're in the flesh and what's happening is when the flesh part of our heart gets accentuated, self becomes important. Self and sarks are twins. The human nature and self are twins. Now, how does this get expressed through what I would call, or the Bible shows us to be the chief end sin? The chief end sin or the extension of self, which you cannot get away from, it's called pride. And people say, well, you know, I'm going to pray and get delivered from pride. No, 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 pride is an element that you will always have, is that when Christ comes, he will channel your boasting and your, your pride to be at Christ and what he's done, not upon self anymore. Now, the second biggest area of sin that Satan uses and the demonic through our flesh is the way pride gets expressed. Prides get expressed to a very secondary, most powerful sin and demonic uh, influence in our life, which is called lust. The expression of pride will come through lust in our life. So as we understand lust as spiritual beings, the expression of pride comes through lust, and lust can be in many categories. 
there can be lust for sex. There can be lust for money. Can you have lust for money? For riches, for success, for fame. But there's also lust for power as well. Right? So lust can express itself in many ways. A twin of lust is called covetousness. Right? And now, now you'll see and you'll begin to understand as expression of sin comes in, we use secondary and tertiary sins to achieve those, those greater sins. And we begin to do what? Cheat, lie, deceive, you know, envy is at the place. Uh, you know, uh, all of those things strives, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of things happen to, to, to be involved in the survival of this taking of the evil to get achieved. Now, as we look at this journey, Abraham, by faith, moved and tried to create a holy place kept Isaac away from the world. And we see this beautiful family that struggles. It's being purified by the word of God and it's moving forward. And Isaac is like a shelter child. But he cannot move and do what Abraham does. And he kind of loses control of his family. And more and more dysfunction begins to enter in. Not that we do not see with Abraham as much. And we see it with a little bit with Isaac. And now we see it even more with Jacob. And that's where we are. And by the time Jacob comes and we see his life being as a worldly man, having knowledge about God, and seeing him be transformed and come to repentance... And Hebrews telling us that he's become a worshiper of God. We see him kind of the lone star. His daughter, Dinah, doesn't have a pleasant experience. His sons are not involved in this worship. But they have knowledge. They participate in what? The religious rites. It could be true today. In the church... There's many people who have knowledge of, about God, but they never met him personally. That's why we'll find out that in the Old Testament here, I mean in this part of the Old Testament, Joseph is loaded the most pace. Because we see him singled out as the one out of now a large family. The one to whom the Lord revealed himself to. The rest of the family, they heard the stories. They participate in the religious right lives, in the, in the sacrifices. But the Lord has a personal touch and a personal connection with Jacob from a young age, revealing himself through dreams. Revelation, it is very important for us. Let's look at what will a personal touch of God, 
a revelation of God do in the life of a human being? Hmm. Now, as you can see, I left out the middle of the story. I don't want to be a Jerry Springer show in, in the church, so I left out the, what they call the juicy part of the story on purpose. But then you come to this expression, how did this guy who the Lord is with him, and that's being accentuated over and over him, end up in prison, in jail? Hmm. There's too many, too many parallels between Christ and Joseph. And that's another reason why he's allotted as much space in here. And uh, he's also learned the suffering. Uh, not quite as dramatic as our Lord, but he's learned to suffer in the flesh and to receive uh, the glory of that uh, suffering. Nonetheless, let's begin. Let's uh, start our journey. If you have your Bible, you can follow with me on the screen. We will go verse by verse. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. What does this mean? It means that he is a possession. It means that to the worldly aspect, no longer do you have a will. Because when you're a slave, you have to do the will of your master. So there it goes. The deepest part of your volition, it doesn't matter whether you agree with it in your head or like it or not with your feelings. When you're a slave, you have to do it. The Lord was with Joseph. There could be a Lord over your material side. But now we see that besides the boss of Joseph or the one who tells him what to do, there is another figure of authority. You need to come to a place in your life where you can distinctively know the two influences over your life. Even better when you're married. You need to discern that. The Lord was with Joseph. Now, I, I hate to say this because I'm not trying to bash in congregants. When people come to me about counseling, if you were to take a good guess, do you think they're more concerned whether the Lord is with them or they're concerned about the circumstances of their life? Wow, you're a smart guy, Ed. <laughs> See, you have the sermon from the Lord. Why would the Lord continue to tell us that he is with him when none of us would like the circumstances that this story gives us? To rest us assured that this is the same Lord, in the New Testament, what does the Lord say? Well, you know, if you're, if you're a slave, no, continue as one. You say, well, how can that be? 
Uh, we'll begin to see that. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man. What was his success in? Do you own things as a slave? I wonder what successful man is. Now, how many of you know the power of the gospel and you for certainty can go to dying kids in Africa who every 14 seconds one dies of hunger and you tell them, I can tell you something that will make you more rich than the owner of Tesla. Who's that? Or Bill Gates. Let's define success. If you have Christ, you may die within the next 14 seconds of hunger. But I'm hoping we're not only taking the gospel, that we're taking some food for them as well when we go. Uh, nonetheless, that person is infinitely more successful than the wealthiest man in this world who doesn't know Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Now here he says that the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was, here's the other part, but he was in the house of his Egyptian master. He became successful for his boss, if you think it that way. But who's the subject here? The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph is the object. So how can we think the success is more accentuating in what he did only. I wonder if there's something hidden that will come out as well. I wonder if we pay attention to the struggle between his spirit and the nature, the, the, the human nature of this spoiled kid, dad's favorite kid. Hmm. Yes. His master saw that the Lord was with him. And that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. What does this tell us? His master who doesn't really know the Lord. Is recognizing that it is not Joseph's mental ability. It is not his emotional stability. And it's not his willpower that make things succeed. So how about this? It's not that Joseph is a great guy. How many of you think good things about yourself? <laughs> a lot of you think, oh, I'm sorry, you're, you're in the trouble. <laughs> the more I live, the, the, the less I like myself, day by day. If there's anything good in us, it is because of God. And it is because you haven't noticed the potential of evil that could exist because of your flesh. The more you know the Lord and the closer you get, the bigger his cross grows. The greater the, you see the potential of sin and the higher he wants to take you in his holy life. The Lord caused all he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in the sight, in his sight, and attended him, and he made him an overseer over his house, 
and put in charge of all that he had. As a master, you say, well, I like to prosper and to get wealthy. It tickles my lust for riches. What's a problem that many of us don't recognize here because we go so far as to the lust of his wife? What's a problem here? What sin has invaded the area? Lust for power. Did any of you ever wonder, how did his wife think that now this Hebrew guy is in charge of everything? Did that ever cross your mind when you read the story? Oh, it did? You know when I say this story? None of the men shake their heads. It's sometimes women who shake their heads. Yeah, I thought about that. It is funny how I notice that in churches. All right, this is another element. All in charge. Be careful when your leadership and your possession gets accentuated in your life. It comes with a territory of great evil as well. You're a good Christian until you're raised up into a leadership and then it's like a magnifying glass gets prompted on you. This is what's happening. I know he's already in trouble spiritually. The situation is not that great as you understand the schemes of the evil one. From the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord now did what? He went from succeeding and being successful to blessing. Why? Now there's a covering. One is what you do with your hand and you're successful. And when you're in charge, there's a canopy of blessing. Does it remind you of Ruth? Does she want a canopy of blessing with that covering? Do you remember the story? Do we want a canopy of the Lord's blessing and his covering? What is our cover? What is our priestly garment? None other than his blood. Hmm, I wonder... If that is what's the closest clothing to your spiritual life. The blood that he shed for you and covers you and I. The beauty of his love and that blood. Is that the garment that gives you that identity? Is that the canopy? Because you know what happens when you have the blood's canopy on you? Grace, compassion, the gospel, truth, life begin to get expressed. It says here, he blessed the house. Who do you think won't like the blessing part? If God blesses, do you think Satan wants to bless you as well? No. No, this is... This is 
This is getting worse. There's a spiritual warfare out there. And surely it is. And the enemy will not be using the spirit, will be using the flesh. And the flesh has to be expressed. We don't even need to read further and we'll know it will be some form of lust that will have to be expressed if we are to understand. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field, the house of his Egyptian master. Uh-oh. Is it not working anymore? Change the slide. The next slide. Yeah, you'll have to move the slides for me. It's not working anymore. Okay. No worries. They, you won't see it. I'll, I'll have my, my slides here. So... So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food that he ate. Here is now a stop in this thought, and the word of God says now, puts a marker, it says, now. This is the relationship of God, his earthly master, his heavenly master, his relationship with the households, and now it says now, and it focuses on whom? It focuses on Joseph. It says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. If this marker in God's word tells you that, and you are being Christians, you're spiritually sensitive, can you guess which last may come forward after this? Now? It doesn't take a scientist to figure this one out. No? But do you see as the Holy Spirit illuminates your life through Christ and uncovering to us the schemes of the devil, how the manifestation of the discerning spirit can pave the road to see, oh, it's most likely that this is coming up. How the word of God lightens that path and shows us and takes us on that journey forward. And after a time of this condition, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said with him, lie with me. What does the Lord tell us about our eyes? Talks about light and darkness with the eyes. Anything on the Sermon Mount? I thought Todd went over that before I came here. The eyes are the channel of darkness and light. If it says, if there's darkness, you know, great is the darkness. So the last of the eyes is being approached to us as connecting with the other last. But the eyes are the lamp of the body. If the eyes are dark, it says, great is the darkness. 
Now, there was great light about what Joseph did and how he was. Satan is using his appearance to bring darkness into people's lives. Well, you will say, well, if there was not a weakness in Potiphar's wife's life, that darkness would have not entered into her so badly. Hmm. Yes. After a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph. There's youth here, so I won't spend time on casting her eyes on something. And said, lie with me. Uh, very, very important aspect here that she's giving a command. So first, the problem is, is who's in charge and who's saying things? So remember, remember that last of power that I spoke about? If he's a slave and she's higher than him, he has to obey the command. But she's also not happy that this Israelite is in charge. You can't divide the last of power with the last of sex that's here. It's, it's, it's hard to divide them. She approaches him with a command. Lie with me. But he refused. And said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept anything from me except you, because you are his wife. Speaking with her in truth at the level of humanity. How then... But now the question is, saying, I respect your family, your, I have integrity within your husband. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Who is his boss? God. What happens when someone truly has had revelation from God in the worst of circumstances now, betrayed, mocked his sons, his brothers selling him, going from situation to situation. He's getting older. He's still a slave. Yeah, he's in a wealthy family, but he's a slave. There is presence there is reality. People call it integrity. And we'll have, that's one of the spiritual disciplines that we'll learn is calling maintaining integrity of heart. That we're responsible in, uh, in our life. But this is one of the beautiful things in your life. That when Christ is revealed to you through your Christ, when you empty self, What happens when you go to the cross? What did people do to Jesus? They hit him before the cross. They slapped him. They spit on him. Why was that necessary for you and I today? Because when I go to the cross, I don't want to hit him, but I have. Literally, I have. 
But I need to touch him. Because I need this awful flesh and awful sin to be transferred to him. There's a reason why Jesus had to physically be touched. To testify to us that I need to touch him. So he can take myself away. So he can take myself away. So he can take. And liberate me. And he died for that. So how awful would it be for me to sin again and put him over and over on the cross again and again? Not that birds a holy place within me. That's above and beyond anything else. Remember what we said, the family is in this disarray, dysfunctional, dying at the brothers and sisters, awful, but God touched one. And something birthed within Joseph. The beauty of the road of suffering. When Jesus touches you, it won't be easy to say no to yourself and to your wants and your desires and your aspirations and your own ideas. It is the beautiful road of suffering as you deny yourself. And as that expression grows into the world, you'll have affliction and you'll go through trials. There's a cost that comes. I know that personally from Christ. I know in my own walk how I had to pay because I value his holiness. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Then why would you unite yourself with a prostitute, he says. We see that here with Joseph. That's a good explanation of even passages in the New Testament. What happens for someone who Jesus has revealed themselves to them? They have been touched by him. There's a presence, there's a reality. We're not better. We're better because he is in us and he begins to work in us. So you have churches like the CMA who says Jesus is our sanctifier. You have Paul who says the word of God. For I have died. I have been crucified. It was no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. Colossians 2, 6, 7. So just as you have received Jesus Christ, so... Walk in him. So hear what, hear what Joseph, you don't need to go to school. You just need the anointing of God. Joseph is explaining those texts to you. He says, how then can I do this great weakness and sin against God? Lady, I have stepped into that arena. 
I've been living an awful life. And I'm willing to count the cost because I cannot sin against the greatest love and the, the Lord of my life and who he is. She is just, there's nothing wrong with this lady. She's just a victim of human sin. And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day. The persistence of fleshy sins. Versus the beauty and the rest that Jesus gives. So opposite. Human sin will not end until they bring the fruit of destruction and until you commit that sin. Jesus on the flip side brings peace and rest. Hmm. But one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. He did not say, well, let's sit down and let me tell you about God. That is not the response. Scripture is our guiding path for understanding scriptures. Flee. Sexual immorality. Other verses say, flee youthful desires, lusts. Wow. That's the best sermon. Nobody can preach this sermon better of those verses than just look at Joseph's life. That's the best sermon when it's lived out in your own life. That is the best sermon. doesn't matter how great their oratory speeches and their insight. The best sermon is when you see it lived out. And that's your weight and mine. The word of God. They were coming. His voice to hear. We can't wait to bear that fruit until it is fully lived out. And it flows out of us. Funny thing is, what was the family issue of hatred and wickedness? The coat of many colors. What are the chances that it's a coat again in the house? That's the problem. I wonder if the Lord's a little satirical towards us. It's the coat again, that's the problem. Will it be a coat again that gets placed, uh, you know, uh, some clothes? Anyway, we won't get to his brothers. We haven't read that yet. But anyway, oh, but he left his garment. He fled. 
Imagine this pressure of being day after day working into that. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. You know, they weren't even truly installed as a nation. And we see that hatred towards Hebrews did not take long to come about. didn't say the slave, said the origin of who he was, to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a light voice. False testimony, lying, deception. You see all a flurry of other supporting sins. The scheme of the devil, ultimately, it is to destroy. Destroy is one of his titles, to bring destruction. And... Those greater sins come with a flora or family of other sins that support the direction of the devil and what he wants to do. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice, please listen, as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice, nobody pays attention to this. Why is this of great importance? The last for power. It's as though her voice has power over him. She is trying to mar not only, you know, his last, but his character. It's a very, it's a very deadening. As soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got outside of the house. His ex- he was exercising his volition even over me, even though he's in that place, but I was kept apart by my husband from him. He's accusing him in bo- she's accusing him in both directions. They come together, some of those last. Then she laid up his garment by her until his masters came home. If she really hated that garment so much, why would she stay near it all this time? Interesting. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the word that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. Everything that's being said now does what? Have a hook on what? On the flesh part, on the self part of her husband. So now you see, be careful when yourself, even when it's someone in your church, if someone comes and tells you something and you have a fleshy response, it is not the guiding of the Holy 
Spirit. It is not. For you who know the devil, especially when you are in ministry many times, there's so many people who come to me and they think they have good requests that come from good intentions and, you know, from rightful places and truth. Because they're blind from where they speak. But I'll tell you something. Wives, don't use that against your husband. Many wives do. Do you know what happens? It brings blindness for them to no longer be spiritual leaders of your home. Don't come into your homes and bring about, because you know some of them are very good, Bring about this situation where you manipulate your husband in a way that gets achieved what you would like to achieve, not realizing that you're robbing him from great health that should bless your family. Just a little lesson as we do family ministry, as we read through scriptures. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the, into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Let me ask you, how is this success? How is this being blessed? This is one of the hardest things when you recognize the Lord's hand in someone's life and things are going more terrible, but you know the Lord's doing something for them. They're ready to hit you into the head when you say, well, I'm glad this is happening because something is coming up. Because they're, they're thinking, this is the worst thing that can happen in my life. The peace. Again, the question is the peace. Is the Lord with you? Can you approach issues, family life, marriage, growing your keys from that place of peace? I tell you, without a prayer life, you can't. Well, I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty mature. I can do without prayer. Wrong. You need to come to that place. Pray continually. There's a reason why. We, we need to be in touch with our spirit. Naturally, we're in touch with our flesh and our human nature. We're not gravitating towards the spirit naturally. A lot of time for Joseph to think in prison. Wow. I did a lot of good things. I kept the holy life. Now I'm, I'm, things are getting worse instead of getting better for me. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. Showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the jail. 
And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done, he was, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Pastor, you, you know, let's be honest. If the Lord is with me, how am I? If the Lord is with me, how's my marriage? If the Lord is with this church, how is this church? Successful and blessed. Let's be honest. We've seen the Lord. We've, we've said we need to come to the altar. Some people have come and prayed, and they have seen miraculous responses. Things that they been struggling for years and years with it. You can't have an altar if you don't have a personal altar. You can't have an altar in your marriage unless you build one. And we spoke about that. We are the clay, and you are the potter. And we are all the workmanship of your hands. That's where we are. I'm going to just, before, I'm going to take a side note to spiritual understanding of this text. I'm going to give you five areas about this story. Number one, receive God's promises with childlike faith. This is what happens when the Lord touches you and we see it exemplified in Joseph's life. Number two. Make the best of bad situations. And we spoke how this comes from having that place of peace and rest. Stand with integrity in trials and temptations because this produces faithfulness. Why do we see so many seasons of the same thing happening? Ultimately, the Lord wants to produce faithfulness. Because when you become faithful, you're already fruitful. Faithfulness is already fruitfulness. Number four, walk in humility before God and man. And number five, learn how to see everything from God's perspective. If Joseph would have seen things from his perspective, I don't know how many counselors he would have needed, how many people he had to visit. But I'm not sure that they offered those services in jails back then. <laughs> I don't think so. The greatest challenge for you and I in our life, because the Holy Spirit is also called the counselor, is for us to revert to be God-centric in how we think and how we view things. Now, I say there are four things about integrity that are needed. Three essential and one, it's a result. You cannot come to this place 
unless when God touches, touches you, you have a reverent fear of the Lord. And you begin to love the Lord. So fear of the Lord. You begin to love the Lord. And as a response, you hate sin. In turn, it shows love and compassion towards people. Notice how day after day, he says about his wife, he never took retribution on part of his life. Wife never tried to do anything. Fear of the Lord. A reverent fear of the Lord. It's the step. Growing in your love. Do you think you'll have integrity if those, those are elements upon which you, you build that space and of revelation of Christ in you and how God has touched you? Absolutely. Now, let me tell you something you don't want to hear. I have to confess, even though I had to get out of a job because of a similar situation where I was a coach and the other coach constantly wanted me to go sleep with her. And I had to quit my job because of that. Potiphar, Potiphar's wife, going to ask you a question. Do you think he represents us, humanity? Do you ever think that, hey, I want to be in charge. I want things to happen my way. Do you think sometimes we approach things with in that way? Let me repeat to you. Do you think that there's a possibility that we can be blind and ignorant and can be at fault sometimes by doing things the same way? It doesn't have to be as big as this one. But the Lord let himself be touched by us. While were you in rebellion, while you were still sinners, God demonstrated his love towards you. That he sent his one and only son to die for you. The hardest thing. Easter comes. I'm not going to be nice. You need to make it a personal weight as we approach Easter. Not fasting and our rituals and all this. But literally in your relationship with the Lord. You need to have the bravery to realize. I need him to die for me. I need to have the, the, the lack of shame to go there and to say. To touch him. Now, don't punch him. Don't slap him. Because that's what we did. But literally, that's what our sin is doing to him. There's a reason why that's happening. But there's a part of his wives in all of us. 
Jesus did not flee away from us. Jesus did not flee away from us. This is so beautiful because many of you will come to a place where you'll begin to doubt. But what is this saying to us as ministry? You can rest assured that the potter's hands won't reject you. Don't doubt. I wonder if God is molding me. I wonder if he's working in my life. Faithfulness. Joseph's testimony, you meant it for bad, but God meant it for. He's looking back years later. Now I see why the Lord, this was happening because the Lord was molding me. Today, to bring that integrity, to, to keep that place holy, don't let doubts the confusion of your minds tell you that God's hand is not there. That is an awful lie. That's an awful lie. But don't be the type of clay that constantly wants to run out. first thing I want to say to you is is there peace? Is there rest for you? Is it finished for you? When you're in the potter's hands. Or is there still a potter's wife's asking your life to say, I kind of want this way. I kind of want those conditions. I, I, you know, Let's be honest with ourselves. That's why the Lord wants to do ministry to you every time you come here. To interact with His presence, to hear His voice, and to be molded by His hand. Let's bow our heads and pray. Jesus, it is so easy for us to blur things when we say you are our Savior and our Lord. Well...